0: Today's sponsor is Audible.com, the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles and virtually every genre of book. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it. Listen to audiobooks anytime, anywhere, on anything. Audible is offering It's That Episode listeners a free audiobook along with a 30-day trial. Go to audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. It's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode, it's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch any TV show that they choose. We watch it, we talk about it, we talk about a bunch of other crap. Today, I'm very excited to have a special guest in my apartment right now uh who i feel slightly must be hot because it's a warm day and you're wearing long pants and a long shirt Mm -hmm. but i'm glad to have him here nonetheless (laughs) thank you uh it's neil casey who's a mainstay at the ucb theater and improv group death by ruru
1: and uh is a writer for saturday night live welcome neil that's right thank you um i always wear long pants i never wear shorts Mm -hmm. um something i've said before uh if you see me in shorts um we are at the beach together, uh-huh. uh, so we're having a nice time down at the beach, uh, so that's that's your first sign there, um, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm delighted to be here. I'm
0: happy for you to be here. My brother also never wears shorts, but he moved to Gainesville, Florida, and he had to change his tune because that's just a different world down there.
1: If I lived in like a tropical, if I lived in New Orleans or, yeah, if I lived in some sort of a semi-tropical environment, I'd have to do it, but I'm too short I'm, I'm not a tall, I mean, I'm not super short, but I'm a, I'm not a tall guy. And I found that shorts are either skimpy or they like come down to my knees and right. make me look shorter than I actually am. Yeah. It, shorts for
0: a grown man, like these are shorts I'm wearing are a little bit too long and I feel yeah. like, am I like, do, are people going to think I'm trying to be like a skater dude or whatever, <laughs> you know, like no matter what, it's a tough thing.
1: You're also lankier than me. I can't tell you how ridiculous I look in shorts. I'm going to,
0: well, during the commercial break which we don't have we'll get you in the bedroom we'll a try on some uh-huh. shorts yeah um, just
1: put it up as the poster image for the episode <laughs> yeah
0: exactly it's just like a weird sort of american apparel like sexy
1: <laughs> yeah i'll be looking over my shoulder and the shorts will be draped over my little knees and
0: it's obvious we're in a weird studio in
1: la um so i'm
0: so glad you're here i'm excited to watch the show that you want to watch i have to admit that i i'm i never got super into this show so i'm excited to have somebody here that's like really into it mm-hmm. and i feel like the all the shows that you mentioned when you we emailed back and forth i'm like love and this one is just one that's sort of passed yeah. by and i've obviously watched it but never was never like one of those mainstays for me so why don't you talk a little bit about what you chose and why
1: well i am uh i'm a fan of your show and i'm amazed that no one that you've never gotten a trekkie here because what we're going to be watching is an episode of star trek the next generation um this show for me was in syndication when i was a kid it came on at 5 p.m on fox 29 in wilmington delaware um and uh i as a kid uh, from middle school or so was really into it. I was really into watching star trek and i I still am i think it 's uh good sci fi good television and um, uh, I was really into it and and during my adolescence i was uh, i got worried I, I I one time asked my dad because I went to a Star Trek convention and I saw like all the like losers who were there. And, uh, and I was like, oh, God, I don't want to be like these people. And my dad said, it's okay. You're a kid and you're really into a TV show. These um, these guys are like adults and they're like defining their lives around a TV show. But yet here I am at that age now, 20 years later, doing um, uh, still really into it. So shamelessly so. Um, Can I quickly ask, yeah. what the hi- were there any
0: highlights of being at a Star Trek convention when you were a kid?
1: Um No, it was. I I, like they were the times when they would have people who like worked on the production, not just cast, but like people would come out, writers and special. Yeah, and then the the, the overlap with like computer graphics, which I was also into. I was kind of a computer nerd. Some of the stuff that the actual information and the interesting people in the room were would be uh, somewhat interesting. I really only went to two or three um, in middle school. but uh uh no, I mean it was pretty clearly just a, just people trying to sell you stuff. You know, right. it was like toys and and um you know, extra books and stuff like that. I guess I got a book or two, but um uh no, I I, I the the uh uh the internet was coming out at around the same time, so I, I subjugated my, my fandom. Right. Um the the subject gets the wrong word. I I didn't go to I didn't go out, I went inward to the computer. In which you
0: also didn't need to relate like talk to people that you didn't want to talk to at a convention yeah like i was depressed
1: i remembered i was in fourth grade my friend ryan took me to a star trek convention and i was just like oh my god i don't want to be like these people when i grow up but it put me off the show but yeah it was like not the show but it put me off the idea of that sort of fandom totally Um, but i was still really into the show and i remain really into the show i am i am a trekkie i like the original series i like deep space nine a little bit of voyager's fine Ladder Enterprise, though I stopped watching it at the time, that's when I gave up on it in college
0: and um and for this for uh next gen, as you called mm-hmm. it uh, last night when I saw you yeah. um, you when you just came in, you had three particular episodes that you were like sort of you know choosing between um, how did you and you said that none of them were sort of the go-to sort of classics.
1: These are none of the. Be- these are these are not on the. They're on some people's list of maybe top twenty-five, maybe. But. Um The ones I was thinking about are a little bit more deep cut, so I'm not doing The Best of Both Worlds, Part 1 and 2, which was a season cliffhanger where Captain Picard uh, gets captured by the Borg and becomes one of the Borg. I'm not doing um, The Inner Light, which is a a great Patrick Stewart episode. I'm not going to summarize all these. I'm not doing it for the Trek fans out there. We're not doing Dharmak. Um, we're not doing Iborg, We're not doing Times Arrow Part One or Two. Where Mark Twain has a lot of extended scenes with Whoopi Goldberg in the past. And that's a top episode. That's a top episode. That's a well-known episode. Um, I said Dharmic, We're not doing. Um, uh, we're not doing the season finale. We're not doing all good things. uh uh, the contenders were the most toys which was a great uh brent spiner data episode um that shows you how much uh uh uh, uh, star trek relied on the same 90s character actors to play everything that you saw on every contemporary show from murder she wrote (laughs) uh uh, la law and all that stuff um uh 80s i guess um those same people or uh uh, uh, and, uh, and I was also thinking about um, Remember Me, I think it's called, where uh, Dr. Crusher, uh, Gates McFadden, uh, 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 is losing everyone that she knows. They're disappearing and then no one's ever heard of them on the ship. That was another deep cut one I thought I was going to do. Great, great um, trip. But what we're going to be watching is cause and effect. Um, it's uh, a great ensemble episode. Um, So we're going to touch upon all our favorite characters on Star Trek The Next Generation. And um, it's uh, structurally kind of cool because the same... um Time loop repeats over and over again ending with the ship exploding and then we've got a great surprise at the end um uh, a great cameo from 90s television so i think it's uh, uh and 80s television it's going to hit all the marks that we want to hit no for...
0: that is when before we started you told me who that cameo was and i already forgot so i'm super excited <laughs> <laughs> like, like i don't know how that's possible because just 10 minutes ago you told me yeah and i'm so excited that i forgot great um, you're gonna love it this the synopsis that it says um, on Netflix is pretty great. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what you just said, but the way they write it is just awesome. It says, oh, whoops, this is the, I don't know how we got off of, uh, it's episode 18 on season five. And it says the Enterprise gets caught in a time loop, which always has one result. Total destruction of the <laughs> ship. Mm-hmm. Um to me, that sounds awesome. I love time travel. I love, like, messing with time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't do it, but I love the idea of it, and mm-hmm. I love movies and TV shows that deal with it. Um, I'm pretty excited to watch this. So this was – so you watch this in syndication, so, like, early 90s, I'm guessing? I
1: caught up with it because I think in – it was always syndicated. It's a Paramount right, show, right, and then it was right. syndicated – Di- on different networks It at the started
0: time. in, I believe, 1987, and it went for yeah. seven seasons? Yeah, and it went for seven
1: seasons, yeah. That's right. It, well, I, I Now I understand what you're saying with the syndication. Because- so I caught up with the reruns. I got into it on reruns because it was in my, like, TV. I wasn't a big TV-watching kid. Uh, my parents weren't that strict about it or particularly strict about it, but it wasn't sort of in, I didn't watch a ton of TV, Um and, uh, like, I didn't have a TV in my bedroom until I was deep in high school, and it was my, like, aunt's old TV. Um, uh, but I caught up with it on reruns, and then when I, when I was caught up, I made the time to watch it. I th- And I, th- I don't remember. I think it was Sunday because I think it was with The Simpsons, so it might have been Saturday, which is uh, the, giving you a window into my lameness. I'm, method, I'm in I think it was, like, Saturday exact- at seven. 7. <laughs> yeah.
0: Same exact. I have a question for you because I haven't really thought about this. But it doesn't – for a show like this or maybe uh, other shows, it might make sense. Most shows, when they show reruns, do they show the reruns in order or do they just pick random episodes?
1: They they, it, they show them in order, though they skip some that didn't get great ratings or right. weren't that good. So I guess there was some editorial control at the time. But there were um, – I when I'd watch it daily, yeah. If they did the cliffhanger the the day before, you'd right. get the the resolution the day after. Yeah, I think they did a pretty good job because I would remember when it would reset. Because season one of Next Gen is pretty rough. Um, it's not <laughs> great. Like it's um, it really didn't find its footing. There's some good episodes, but um, it's pretty rough. And I think season two is still pretty rough. Season three is where it really gets its stride. Season three, halfway through, it's pretty rough. <laughs> no, two, two's better. But they, um, I don't know, like they, they were like there was stuff where they were trying to remake like, o- like old original series plot lines and stuff like that. Like it didn't really feel fresh and original until it um, had kind of found its own voice separate from just being sort of an echo of a 60s right. television. Right.
0: Well, I, I read that they had originally because the original series was in the '60s, right? Yeah. And then I heard, read that they were going to do like Star Trek Phase Two in the '70s, in the and, '80s actually. Or, yeah, yeah, late
1: their, '70s, early '80s. Yeah.
0: And then they had come up with a bunch of plots, and then when Next Generation started, they sort of recycled they some of those ideas. So yep. that might be part of the thing is the
1: echo, definitely. And the the star, original Star Trek the motion picture, which was I think '79 that was a reaction to star Wars because star Wars had been such a hit. So they decided to make a star Trek movie and then they used some of the characters and a big plot line for what was going to be that star Trek, um, uh, phase two show. Um, and even some of the characters, I think, um, though I I haven't brushed up on this in a while. Um, and then, yeah, that didn't, the, 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 uh, uh, they sort of chewed that and then made a bunch of the movies. Uh, they digested that I should say. And then, And then yeah, and then they ended up reusing some of those uh, teleplays that had been written for next gen. I think that's absolutely right.
0: I think I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast, but I might have. But I think by the end of those movies of the original Star Trek, like Shatner and Nimoy wanted to direct, and I think that Shatner at one point like made it clear that he would only be in the movie if there were horse, like he was able to ride a horse in the movie or something. It's like (laughs) he like loves horse. And I've watched a DVD extra from the original where it's just him. And it's an interview on a DVD <laughs> for Star Trek, and he's only talking about
1: horses. <laughs> <laughs> he rides a horse in Generations. I'm trying to think if he rides one in um, in two. Sorry, uh, I don't know.
0: Was yeah, I just funny. love that. That's like when you're that when the the show and the series and the movies are so linked to you that you can pretty much make these ridiculous yeah. like like do whatever I say, and your your want is. Like I want to ride a horse, <laughs> or I want to talk about horses
1: on the mm-hmm. DVD. Well, that's what Michael Caine says in his in his book on acting, which I can't recommend highly enough. Michael Caine's it's a transcription of him doing a bunch of interviews about acting. Uh, Peter Serafinowicz did a parody of him. That's really funny, but it's like so obscure. It's like who's seen the source material? But um Michael kane's like big thing. <laughs> at the end, is like pick a script based on where they're going to shoot. <laughs> like, like choose even if you don't like the script that much. You know, I'm not doing. You know, even if you don't like the script that much, if it's going to take you to Belize, <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, like as if you, have, yeah, <laughs> and it's like
0: as if you, as like somebody wanting to get into acting, have that choice yeah. at all. Like oh
1: yeah. <laughs> I'll do it. What practical advice? (laughs) The best practical advice that he gives is um, he just, he talks at length, a lot of it is like obvious stuff, but he talks at length where he's like, high status characters don't blink. Like, (laughs) if your character's supposed to be high status, don't blink. That's amazing. A weak character, like, look, make eye contact with your scene partner. Using the eye that'll expose the most of your face to the camera. So if the camera's over your right shoulder, right. I'm going to make eye contact with your right eye with my right eye so that the camera gets it, the most of my face. Wow. It's
0: great. I I'm, uh, I've mentioned this before, but I'm reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography on my toilet. Nice. And he w- and Conan, which was his first Conan the Barbarian, not mm-hmm. the Destroyer, was his first big movie. And Tommy Lee Jones is there, and he had some, uh, t- Arnold had a big um, monologue that he couldn't get to feel real, so he went to, uh, not to. Did I say Tommy Lee Jones? I meant James Earl Jones. I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> same thing mm-hmm. but he went to James Earl Jones cuz he's a stage actor for advice and he James Earl Jones says retype out the monologue that's on the page uh um like downwards the vertical on your page not horizontal because you've you've worked in the breaks that are in the page right so i was like that's really the simple like the, like basically that means that arnold's a robot and he's only able <laughs> yeah. to read it side to <laughs> side like <laughs> He has to take that break, but I was like, "Oh, that actually makes sense, so you're you don't have the rhythm that that's in your head, yeah, so for all you young actors out there,
1: yeah, a lot of advice, a lot um, of good advice take it in,
0: so we're gonna check out um cause and effect, mm-hmm. anything I should know or look out for specifically or that you are excited to to re-watch within this episode
1: um yeah it, it it hits some of my some of my favorite tropes. It hits the poker game, which is occasionally a plot device that uh, actually ends the whole series um, that the the uh, the senior staff um, uh, all play poker together. And one of the silliest things about the fact that they all play poker together is actually who they are, which is that it's Commander Riker the first officer. It's just a regular guy, sort of charming, bearded Lothario, mm-hmm. um, plays uh, uh, poker against an android, an incredibly powerful an android, so you don't want to play poker against <laughs> you know, a card-counting android. Uh, uh, Jordy, who's uh, LeVar Burton with a visor who can see the cards. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then Worf, who's a Klingon who... Um, well, that's less interesting. But, you know, he plays – it's like a real motley crew of yeah. people to have a poker game against, especially considering – oh, and an empath and counselor Troy who can sense your emotions.
0: So it's like <laughs> so it's the like artist. you're <laughs> yeah. just the regular human there, you're yeah. like, fuck.
1: It's a terrible poker table to sit down at.
0: Have you seen the video of Riker sitting down? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's he jumps amazing. over the thing. He like yeah. He, like, sort of, like horse saddles it like yeah. he, he, he puts his foot over it. that's just every time yeah great yeah so, and i assume and hope that was just his choice and I, I would imagine so um awesome so let's check it out we'll see a poker game we'll see a time loop and we'll see a lot of total destruction of the ship yep it opens with that which i love i'm super excited let's check out cause and effect here we go
2: i'm sorry to call you all here so early but we couldn't wait till 700 hours we think we may have an explanation for the odd occurrences around here commander This is going to sound pretty wild. Somehow we've entered what seems to be a temporal causality loop. We think we're stuck in a specific fragment in time, and that we've been repeating that same fragment over and over again. Is this what's causing our déjà vu? Yes, but it's more than that. In déjà vu, you only think you're repeating events. We actually are. Our theory is this. Every time the loop begins again, everything resets itself and starts all over. We don't remember anything that happened before, so each time through the loop, we think it's the first.
0: You mean we could have come
2: into this room, sat at this table and had this conversation a dozen times already? A dozen? A hundred? It's impossible to tell. We could have been trapped here for hours, days, maybe years. If what we're saying is true, those voices
0: I heard might have been echoes from previous loops.
2: It's the same with the phase shift in my visor. After images in time.
0: A quick reminder that today's sponsor is Audible.com, the leading provider of downloadable audiobooks with over 100,000 titles in virtually every genre. Audible is offering It's That Episode podcast listeners a free audiobook along with a 30 day trial. If you go to www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. C R A I G R O W I N. Check it out. It's a great offer. And if you're a fan of Star Trek and that's why you're listening, there are literally, I think there might be a hundred thousand Star Trek books. Uh, there's one called Star Trek Conversational Klingon, if you want to learn Klingon. There's one called uh star trek the entropy effect there's one called star trek spock versus q that could be interesting uh william shatner uh, narrates his own book called star trek memories there's uh star trek the next generation q squared uh uh to the stars the autobiography of star trek's mr sulu star trek voyager mosaic star trek yesterday's Sun, there are so many there are so many. There are f- over five pages, uh, and every page has 100,000 choices. So go check that out. Uh, get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. Let's get back to Star Trek. Okay. All right. We're back. We are back, and we're better than ever. <laughs> uh, cool episode cool episode enjoyable love the time the time loop mhm um, i while we were watching i asked you what you thought uh, if cuz plot wise it's it's different but there are elements that are similar to groundhog day mm-hmm. and i know sometimes in tv shows they'll take like the movie of the moment or the you know thing that's hot right now and make like totally, a, yeah, a, a totally. writer be like oh maybe we should incorporate
1: that but this was written or it aired a year before um, Groundhog Day. Wow. I wouldn't, I, when you brought that up, I had never made that connection. And, uh, yeah, I'm impressed that it was a year before. I'm happy. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have been disappointed if it were based on it, but yeah.
0: Unless that was like a hot Hollywood script and they're like, this is going to be big. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but I, eh, I don't know about <laughs> that. Um, no, but it was really cool. So how would you, what would be like this synopsis? How would we explain sort of, uh, I mean, we gave the basic plot, but sort of the, um, the more nuanced version of what was going on in this episode.
1: Uh, It starts with the ship being destroyed, which I remember being cool. Uh, And that's why this this episode stuck in my head because in the watching it like the first time, you know, we're kind of immune to special effects and stuff now. But I remember at the time, like watching the ship blow up over and over again was cool.
0: Well, I also, Uh, if you're a kid watching this and that's the beginning of the episode, I mean, that's going to come as a pretty huge surprise. Yeah,
1: It's a a good hook.
0: (laughs) Within the first first minute and a half, the, the main, every character dies. Yeah. (laughs) Like in a, in a huge explosion.
1: Yeah. And then, uh, and then after the title sequence, they come back and we see all the, uh, a pretty straight, um, uh, series of scenes that just lead up to the ship being destroyed. Uh, the characters are just doing their normal thing, exploring some new... Uh the uh, uh, area of space and um, they 're having like little weird moments of deja vu, but then um, uh, suddenly they encounter uh, like a vortex in space, another ship comes out of it, it hits the enterprise, and uh, the enterprise explodes everybody dies that 's like the first act after the cold open and then um, uh, every subsequent act of the show they come back and they 're reliving sort of the same events, but they 're having increasing levels of no better way to put it deja vu until they figure out that they are trapped in this loop they don't know what's causing the loop but they know they're trapped in it so they figure out a way to uh, try and like leave a message that they will get when they repeat the loop um, through the character data and then ultimately he receives that message uh, uh, in the last act to barely avoid the events that led to the destruction of the ship
0: that was something that Totally made sense to me. So they keep going through this thing, and then at the end we find out that they've been going through this loop 17 days, mm-hmm. but we only see probably four or five iterations of yeah. this. And they t- they open up Data's brain mm-hmm. and they say we're gonna put in something where you can send a message to yourself or like this will.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. just techno babble. It's like we're gonna create a thing where. You can, like, ultimately at the moment, right before Data dies in one of the time loops, he, like, sends himself a message. But the idea, I mean, it's all techno babble. It's the same reason that they have, like, Geordi's visor being able to, like, see echoes of what happened. It's just, it doesn't actually make that much sense.
0: And the words that they, like, there are things called, like... Gravitron. Yeah, field and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. Like for a plot device. Words that are somewhat
1: familiar, but you're like, I don't yeah. know. it. That but that's is. why they have Troy chime in and be like, like a message in a bottle. And they're right. like, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, Shut it's a, yeah. Get it. <laughs> the message will just float here and we'll get it. Hal, Don't worry about it. It'll just, it'll happen. Um, so the message that, um,
0: the message that data ends up... Okay, so right before the explosion, there's a lot of hectic stuff going on in the ship uh captain Jean Luc picard says like what are our options more mm-hmm. or less Riker gives one
1: option which is to uh open the like decomp like have all the air like open the shuttle bay and have all the air burst out and, and uh, which he thinks will maybe move yeah, the ship like in a different pushed, direction exactly
0: and then data's suggestion is we'll shoot a ray Yeah, Yeah, use the
1: tractor beam to push it. Tractor
0: beam to push the other ship away. And that's what has always led to the ship exploding, uh, hitting their ship. Mm -hmm. And the message that he sends to himself is the number three. Mm -hmm. So throughout this loop, the last loop, we keep seeing the number three pop up like they're doing the poker they're playing poker and all the cards are threes. Yeah, data's
1: dealing threes and then threes at three of a kind. Which is good writing because
0: data is dealing, like it makes sense. Yeah. Because then at the end he admits maybe I somehow subconsciously made dealt all threes. Yeah. And then the three the threes are in every like I don't know, computer. Yeah, he's making downs. it come up on the screens. He's just seeing threes everywhere. But it's like and then at the way end... And they're like, maybe we should do a level three diagnostics check because right. they realize that three obviously means something. And then the last second, when he gives his advice to Captain Jean Luc Picard, and he says we should use a tractor beam, then he looks up to Riker's lapel, yeah. and sees three dots, yeah, which is his uh, command. Like, yeah, it's like just shows that his rank, his rank. And he's like, maybe three means uh, use his suggestion. Use his suggestion, but yeah. that is so like that is a ama- like that's I
1: would just if I was sending a message I would have said choose Riker's idea not, <laughs> yeah. Not... yeah the number but they said like it would just like he wouldn't totally receive the message it would just be like subconscious I mean I, I always thought it was cool like even the way they shot that in super close up is sort of like he doesn't have time to think the ship is spinning out of control and it's about to explode and he sends the message of literally the last thing he sees right, which right. is the three dots on like the guys like Riker's got his leg up he's leaning over there Dan- Uh, and uh and then yeah the last thing data sees is that three and that's what he managed to whip off in the text to the past or or however you want to think about it yeah it's pretty great and like what i like about this show
0: is what i was saying while we were watching is like the the because it's a loop like this i was saying was probably like a cheap episode to shoot because they didn't need a lot use a lot of locations Mm -hmm. they probably use a lot of the same setups but even when they redid scenes not only would they change the dialogue cuz the deja vu gets compa- like gets bigger and bigger every time but they change a lot of the angles and mm-hmm. stuff like they it wasn't it doesn't feel i mean
1: there were just slow parts for sure yeah <laughs> but, but they, it uh... doesn't
0: feel like it doesn't feel like they really cheaply did it you know yeah. what i mean like it was they did like a cool job doing it i yeah. think it was like a pretty it's a pretty sweet episode
1: yeah it's good it's good sci-fi but yeah i didn't i didn't think about that the, the ship in the bottle aspect of it but there are a lot and a lot of good episodes when they fit you know five years of doing that they're doing you know several episodes a year where they're just using their existing sets no guest stars no you know uh uh, uh no, you know no beaming down to some la sound soundstage or whatever right. like um uh yeah and and then figuring out a way to tell a, an interesting story uh 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 just in those in that like yeah cheap cheap tv
0: and they and the cameo that they did have in this one that i rem- remembered immediately because they immediately put it guest starring <laughs> as was that the that the at the way end when they escape the explosion and the sh- other ship passes them uh they get a message from the other ship and it's kelsey Grammer <laughs> in all uh-huh. his bearded glory oh yeah and he's wearing um, the Star Trek suit shoot, shoot from like Captain Kirk, yeah, from and, the past, from yeah. the past. So he's been in a time loop for eighty, years. <laughs> yeah. Great cameo, yeah. And this is probably I don't know when Cheers ended, but probably around this time. This would have been ninety two, yeah. Yeah. So this is like getting Kelsey Grammer. That's a pretty
1: big get, if I recall. And I didn't look this up, but I recall uh, that he was just a fan of the show and wanted to do it. Uh, wow. uh, and the, you get a lot of those like weird little things. Like Whoopi Goldberg just wanted to do it because she was a fan of the show, and she was a character from like season three on. Gaijin.
0: She was on for she was on for that long. And mm-hmm. So it is pretty wild when you think about. I mean. I guess in general, Whoopi Goldberg has a pretty insane career, like the things that she's done, but it is really weird that yeah. she was on Star Trek.
1: Well, it's that it was inspirational to her. I mean, I've heard her say this as well. It's like the original Trek and, um, uh, you know, having Lieutenant Uhura on and mm-hmm. all that stuff is like uh, 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 to see. I mean, like people make a big deal about the fact that it was like the first. Uh, interracial kiss on TV, but just for people watching it, it was sort of, the original series was sort of revolutionary in its time in that, you know, there's a little bit of hamminess to like having this, you know, cornucopia of people of different races and accents and nationalities on stage. But the revolutionary thing was that they have a black woman on the bridge who's in a character on the show and her and it has nothing to do with her being black. Right. You know what I mean? Like that idea of like – and not just her but like the other people, you know, Chekhov as a Russian, you know, uh, uh, coming from that time where it's sort of you're projecting a future for the human race where we're like totally beyond, you know, the sort of uh, – uh, 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 like. Problems or, or contradictions about like racial identity and and the the politics that go with it that we were you know as you know in American civilization mired in in the in the sixties right. and and in in the civil rights era Martin Luther King told Nichelle Nichols to keep doing the show really yeah personally told her that, to, the, that she should stay Lieutenant on the show or, played, yeah. so
0: wait did she was she struggling with the idea of being on the show
1: uh if this is easily googleable but yeah if i recall she was saying that she should she tells the story that she was thinking of leaving pursuing other stuff it's like a you know kind of a corny show you know um and he was like no like they'll they'll just replace you with some alien or like you know to to like they'll just fill the role with so you like some alien but like you're representing the idea that like in the future Will you know in in the future? Like, will be over all that stuff. Like to to play a character on TV who's a black woman who's not you know a maid. You right, know, right, right. <laughs> you know, and 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 where it's not. And we're talking about that time too. But like to play like it was revolutionary in the sense that like you're showing all these people as you know representing humanity, and that we're well past you know uh, 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 really giving a shit about. um like the the you know the the people's uh, giving shit about people's race you know that sort of thing and to show that on TV where it's like you know oh we're just all you know on the crew we're just all people yeah
0: it's crazy it's pretty amazing though that Martin Luther King had some hand in the yeah. original Star Trek <laughs> yeah well, it's like a lot of like a lot of TV producers would go to Martin Luther King and be like yeah. we're thinking about
1: this storyline <laughs> that's her story I don't I can't verify <laughs> I can't confirm it but I, I mean I, I buy it I don't know why not but,
0: but the thing with the show is also with your saying about this sort of idealized version of the future which probably won't end up actually happening. Fingers crossed. Um, But there also, I had heard this term a lot but when I was doing a teeny bit of research beforehand um, the idea of the prime directive Mm. which is if you can totally correct me if I'm wrong and I apologize if I am, but it's that their prime directive is to search for other uh, like life forms, but not to in any way get involved or alter the other like mm-hmm. alter alien like beings, right? Uh, or, it,
1: it, and- it's it's until they like they don't interfere with the natural development of of other creatures. So it doesn't apply to... Um, it's 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 more like the the same philosophy that would keep like the you know um, uh, uh, Peruvian government from going in and uh, trying to you know take the children of indigenous people in the rainforest to you know be put in foster care it's like the um the, i mean that's kind of paternalistic but the but it's 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 against that it's like the the idea is that they don't they're not going to go around to every planet that like has like primitive creatures of one way or not like uh, you know people at the uh uh, uh you know, the, the equivalent of, like, indigenous people on, you know, Planet X who are, like, having a volcano explode. Their job is not to go around and, like, save them all or whatever or, like, educate them or, or whatever the case so may So they be.
0: wouldn't – if there was a destructive thing happening to a planet, they wouldn't – they right. should not save that
1: planet. Right. And there's some great episodes about that. There's some great episodes – I mean, it's like Asimov's robot laws is, like, that. they're, like – they're supposed to motivate good storytelling. It's – they're not – I'm not sure that they necessarily advocate the prime directive, The the writers of the show – but it's like a it's a way to get us into good storytelling there's a there's a couple of great episodes where they either violated or find there's one where a station where they're like studying a civilization on a planet that's like at a pre um uh, the, the, it's at like a pre industrial stage of development where they um uh, uh uh a station there blows up and they find the starfleet people who are there just sort of like watching them like archaeologically and they um uh, they beam one of them up because Dr. Crusher's like, well, we caused the harm to this person who, like, found the station. I'm summarizing another episode. Mm-hmm. But basically where the, the end result is that they're introduced to – this, this culture is introduced to the Enterprise and then they worship Picard as a god and all this nice. stuff. And then he has to uh, – there's some good ones. Um, there's one where Worf's brother, like, has been living among – like, secretly among a civil – like, a more primitive – and they're doomed. They're all – gonna like, their planet's going to die. So he surreptitiously beams them to the Enterprise enterprise in the holodeck and recreates their world and then they have to like deal with it because now they're and they're not going to kill them now right. like now the worst brother makes it their problem uh-huh. like by beaming them all up to the ship secretly and then and all that there's some good ones that but
0: sounds like an episode where from then on they just have these weird neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> like, ah, that's uh yeah. the, the weirdos that live with us now forever yeah it's sort of just like a spin-off
1: yeah um, but yeah, it, they don't interfere with the natural development of things, and there's some good first contact episodes too. It's like I think the the rule is like when crea- when like other civilizations in the the Star Trek universe can like when they start going to space or when they like get like warp drive, they can travel faster than light. That's when the the like the Federation people swing by and introduce themselves, and there's a, a few good episodes. Hey, wait, sorry, about that. if they get warp drive when they when they get a, a degree of sophistication that they're like right. starting to venture out into space, then they'll show up and be like, "Hello. Hey guys." <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice warp speed. Yeah, nice warp speed, dudes. Um that's pretty that's pretty cool. So, but in general, they don't they don't make first contact unless that's the case? Right. Wow, I didn't realize that. So most of the enemies that they have throughout the show, I mean, I guess this is sort of going to like Star Trek One and One, I apologize. Mm. No, 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 like fine. the the bad guys that they encounter must always threaten them. Yeah, they're right? always even e- 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 matches. Like, yeah, it's just like, hey, f- fuck you. But why doesn't start? Why doesn't the Star Trek fleet just like run away? All they the time? do? Yeah,
1: do they? They just like they're just like. <laughs> they're just like in like in next generation, it's like they don't go into this a lot because it's they're trying to do like episodic, you know. It's it, it sort of it's like it resets itself, you know. Right. Like they're not they don't have a lot of like long. Season long arcs or anything like that, like Deep Space Nine goes on to do. But yeah, I mean, the idea is that there's like Federation space and then there's Klingon space and they have an alliance and then there's Romulan space and then Cardassians. So that it's like, it's nations, you know, it's just like nations of the world who most of the time are, they're not like at war, but then they, you know, skirmish over this or that or they, you know, disagree over this and that. And there's espionage episodes and stuff like that, but they're pretty self contained. Right.
0: Now, this episode sort of featured. Um, which you had the other one of the upper, other episodes that you had thought about doing was uh Dr Crusher mm-hmm. episode which is an amazing name for a character that doesn't seem like a, that seems like a barbaric doctor yeah Dr that.
1: Crusher is like a, a beautiful fair-skinned red-headed woman right her. exactly <laughs> so
0: she's sort of in a way the center of this episode Yeah, even though it everybody like at first i thought she She's the first person we see under, Realize the deja vu mm-hmm. And I was like oh it's gonna be just on her Which would be weird but it's everybody's dealing with it mm-hmm. So Is Dr. Crusher – I mean does this often happen where it's like this person's episode because you were saying one of the episodes was like a Data episode
1: or – Well, part of the reason I wanted this was that I remembered it as being a Data episode mm -hmm. because Data is the – solves the mystery at the end. But it's less than I remembered it and it's more of a Dr. Crusher episode for sure. But yeah, they can – especially later on in the series, you can see – you know, uh, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it probably comes down to whose representation was the best at right. the time,
0: too. Well, we like. did realize that this episode was directed by the guy who plays Riker. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Frakes, so yeah. He's probably got some good, he's like,
1: season five, let me direct a couple episodes. Yeah, and he ended up directing the movies, too. He directed, really? He definitely directed Insurrection. I think he directed First Contact, too. Wow. Yeah.
0: Has he gone on to direct anything?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he directed a lot of the latter Trek episodes, Voyager, Deep Space Nine, and probably some Enterprise too. And then, yeah, I mean, he 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 has directed. Um- he directed the artist. <laughs> yeah, he directed the artist. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, like he he's worked in television a lot in that capacity, wow. uh, as far as I know.
0: Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's cool that I guess sort of in later seasons of shows you sort of are able to. Push a little bit more and get to do things, but that's yeah. pretty amazing that he was able to sort of parlay that into like every iteration of Star Trek. Yeah, and I'm and then the movies too, which is no small thing. Like... Did you see the newest start, the J.J. Abrams? Yeah, I've sec- seen both of them. Yeah, and I only saw the first one. I haven't seen the second
1: one yet. First one, I think, is better than the second one. I mean, they're both sort of like the thing that's disappointing about it. And this is like like the nerdiest thing to. Get, well, no, it's not the nerdiest thing I could get into, but like the the new ones are just they're so sort of uh, polished like. Um, they're very Hollywood, you know, they're very like, um, uh, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that it should, that like the next gen crew necessarily should have persisted on to their, you know, dotage to, you know, just be in front of the camera forever. But the thing that you, that, that we miss or that I miss, at least, is um, some of the the quality of the, the the like the 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 idealism or the the good like the, the good sci-fi. Like the point, the Star Trek is not just an action movie. At least, what appeals to me about it is not like just like space battles or whatever, or even the sort of like cool expansive space opera sort of Star Wars thing. You know, big universe. Like the the best Star Trek episodes tend to be about uh, ideas and 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 and. Uh, the storytelling sort of rooted in like um uh, uh an idealistic um uh uh imagination of what like could happen to humanity when it you know uh, uh uh sheds its um uh the tether to earth and is out in in space but like the new star treks like it, the, the sort of like the fact that everything has to be reduced to like cool dudes who like you know just like get laid and kick ass <laughs> sort of Which, lame. let's admit
0: is awesome.
1: It is awesome, but I, that's what I live. You know, <laughs> that's your twenty four seven. You want to escape yeah. that when you go to a movie, yeah. Um, and um, like I mean, like we just talked about. Uhura, right? And we just talked about Uhura as like a civil rights icon, like all this stuff is like something that was important to like. A people. So I, you know, not to bring it back to like racial politics and stuff like that. But look at the modern Star Trek. Who is Uhura in the modern Star Trek? She's Spock's girlfriend who gets mad at him, right? And then like she's like a language expert, but then when she steps out to talk to the Klingons, she's gonna get like killed immediately, and the dudes have to save her. I mean, it's like everything gets reduced to the most like cliche. Like uh, Hollywood storytelling stuff, and I, I can't criticize that that much. I would love to, you know, write successful uh, uh, Hollywood movies that, like, you know, even if they're formulaic, like, are entertaining. And I won't deny that those two things are entertaining. Uh, uh, the, the the two things, those two Star Trek themed action movies um, <laughs> that came out recently. But I hate to see like when it's like when everything feels like that like that they have to take Star Trek from me too that like Captain Kirk has to be like fucking two twins listening to hip hop in bed getting up to go do his fucking job that sucks man can't tell me like everything has to be that Uh -uh. like even fucking Star Trek has to be that sort of like oh man this guy fucking kicks ass he fucks chicks he listens to hip hop and like and nobody tells him what to do it's like fuck man like everything has to be that like even star trek even star trek which is like to me at least like the 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 stuff that i love about star trek is the sort of like the ability to tell really interesting stories in a um uh in a world that doesn't quite resemble the sort of like shitty garbage stupid world that we actually do live in like to imagine this sort of like thing where it's like you know humanity's overcome a lot of the bullshit that we're stuck with and maybe in the future we'll get to go out and um you know try to do even better you know but then it's sort of like you know you know i get drunk <laughs> like, right. you know this this asshole's telling me that i can't party you
0: well, know i guess because the equivalent of like what was going on in the 60s with you horror would be like I don't, and I don't. I didn't see the newest one. But if there was, you know, like a gay character, where it's just mm-hmm. that was this, that was the character, and it wasn't about that character being gay, but that was something yeah. that was like notable. Totally. And, and we just sort of respected that that was the choice that they made for the future.
1: Mm-hmm. They um they did a couple. They did a good abortion episode in in next gen where it 's sort of like you know killer how, abortion episode it was like people were there was a there was a planet that was um that couldn't breed so that or their genetic diversity was really low, so they would steal people's DNA and then clone them and then it was the question of like do Riker and Dr Pulaski have the right to destroy their own cl- clone of Whoa. them to prevent it from being existed and the show it wrangled with it but ultimately took the was on their side in them surreptitiously destroying the clones of themselves preventing them from existing wow interesting take right um there's a great there's an uh, uh there's a that w- a lot of the creators have come out and said that this like one thing that they do regret that they talked about but never did was to do exactly that have just a gay character who just it, it was not the point like right. it was just a character who like to just introduce a character who's just like married to someone else of the same sex or in a relationship and just have it not be the point. uh uh the point and they did um they did a great gay episode like gay themed episode where Commander Riker falls in love with a member of an androgynous race and and there there's there' no gender and then um um like and then her thing is like that she her right uh, her thing is always that, like to say that she's always been like attracted to like gendered species basically and like but it's like unacceptable where she's from it's like they, they, there's a couple times where they hit the idea in, right. from a good sci fi angle but even some of the creators of the show have said like they one of their big regrets is that they didn't do good by that like Star Trek tradition of just being like oh and this guy's gay right. and and it's not the point. You know, like yeah. this guy's gay and there's nothing, you know, that's a fact. But that's not what the the, the sum total fact that you need to know about this character. Anybody than someone being, you know, black or a woman or, you know, of, of, a, of a race or gender or anything else.
0: Now, with a show that because I feel like you hold the show in high regard. And it's I mean, from what I know and from listening to you talk about, it does have like this really good sort of foundation and like core belief system. Do you feel like this show ever sort of just also like the movie's just sort of jumps the shark or does stuff that's just like okay that's that's ridiculous
1: Totally yeah I mean there's there's Uh, like especially with age you know there's a lot of uh, next gen episodes that are campy as hell yeah and not in the way that you're it's like in the way that's still lame that we haven't gotten nostalgic for yet because then the way the 60s show is campy we're like into now like the wheel is spun all the way back around where like it's being that show was made at the same time that we're now watching like Don Draper live like we're cool with that time again or however you want to put it the campiness of it is uh, but yeah I mean like in that sort of 90s TV, campiness. There's some, yeah, there's some there's some rough boys yeah. for sure. There's some rough episodes. Um or just like super corny um super corny episodes. Like I mean anything with like Riker as like a Playboy plays really corny. The like um oh man, there's there's some real corny there's some episodes that are like as corny as the like contemporary like murder she wrote of that time, you know? Um uh, that, that are, that are cheesy as hell. Yeah. Undeniably. Yeah. The,
0: now it's, um, it's funny to watch, like, cause we were talking about when the, in the intro came on and it felt very early nineties, like the, mm. that it's like a really long opening. And I don't know, do they ever, I feel like in the some iterations they showed the cast while they gave the. No, no, no. no. no
1: it's always a variation on that. Cause
0: it's like, I can't imagine. I mean, I, well, I guess Mad Men does do that, yeah. but it's. There's it's an old school title sequence. Yeah, it is an old school title sequence, but I guess a little bit more is going on. But it definitely feels like when that came on, I just like went back to like Xena, Warrior Princess, like mm-hmm. Hercules, like that sort of that early 90s just um, visual is it just like yeah. feels amazingly dated.
1: And you remember it at the time like it was like we were not. It's pre a lot of computer graphics yes. though. It, the though Trek and 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 the 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 spinoffs Deep Space Nine and Voyager that you you can sort of see the upgrades that were being made to Lightwave, which is the 3D modeling software, like going with the show. You know, like oh, as we went, you know, the you see the ray tracing software improve. Um, but uh, you know, I remember it at the time is that title sequence is like it's like planets and then the ship flying around and stuff like that. And when that wasn't like when that like we with tv and movies now it's so trivial to create that effect that like you forget that at the time it was like something that was you know kind of original or kind of unique to see even in a title sequence you know right. like well done tracking shots with models in you know uh, 3d uh, generated planets flying around. It, you know, it looked cooler then than it does now. Yeah,
0: it, though it doesn't look like terrible now because it feels like they didn't do. It's they didn't like try to overdo it. Like they didn't try what? to do like sweeping like three sixty shots yeah. and stuff. Where it's like it looks like a computer generated image, but it's like oh, it's not like. They didn't. It wasn't like they injured a third rock from the sun. where right. It's like like <laughs> right. the planets bouncing right. off each other. And like, <laughs> right. um, which is a classic opening. And great I, show. I'm, I'm a big
1: Lithgow fan. You know that
0: John Lithgow. Classic in it. Um, John Lithgow also the bad guy in Cliffhanger. Hmm. Um, great casting and also... I think
1: Lithgow's an American treasure. I'm being completely sincere. I love Lithgow. What are other of his credits that you looked? to? I saw him in The Columnist on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw him in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels also on Broadway. Uh, Harry and the Hendersons. Harry and the Hendersons, of course. Um, a Third Rock from the Sun I enjoyed. Yeah. I mean, the guy can plan a line. He nails it. I yeah, he Lithgow. was great. In
0: th- I, I recently watched rewatched the pilot of Third Rock
1: from the Sun. I was mm-hmm. like, this is. I like this show. Yeah, and he's got his children's songs, children's book. I mean, I think he's a lunatic. I think he's like... <laughs> an insane person oh he's but in crazy the best way he
0: murders people but <laughs> we love him dearly yeah yeah i i did not see the dirty Ryan scoundrels musical which i had because i love that movie it's all right
1: yeah it's pretty good
0: um did you ever watch this is a side note but ever watch um six feet under no my dad loved it i never watched it it's a great show but the my fa- favorite scene ever from dirty Ryan scoundrels growing up was the scene where steve martin is, uh, I forget the Ruprecht. R- Ruprecht. and he pees his pants and is yeah. like, May I go to the bathroom? And he's <laughs> like, Yeah, <you>. thank <laughs> you. But the woman who he's on the date with in that scene is the mom in, uh, Six Feet Under. Oh. And now watching that, cause she's such a great actress and she's unreal in in Six Feet Under, it's just so funny. It adds another layer to like one of my favorite, yeah, scenes that's ever awesome. in, in film. <laughs> um, so, uh, Time travel uh, um time travel in Star Trek, um any other uh time travel uh related Star Trek episodes. Many, many. too many. many. Too many. And yeah, that's I remember
1: some in, of the lame ones too. In right?
0: the I remember I don't know if it was in this one or in the original one where they go to the old but I think that must have been the old one where they go to the old one. Yeah, ones, that's
1: that's original series. And you're just like, come on, guys. Yeah. Are we are we really doing that? Oh, well, I think that's they go to a planet that just is the old West. They would do that right. pretty. They would do that pretty casually, where it's like, and we're going to show up at this planet, and it's fucking Nazis. They're they're just here. There's Nazis here. What? Yeah, it developed the same way as Earth. They got Nazis. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, but that's like, yeah, that's them doing. You know, they're, they're just they they you you give them a pass to to do the sci-fi they want to do, but. Um, especially
0: if they're on a uh, like a lot that has a cowboys and Indians, yeah, you know, exactly. Thing. They they have to just be able to use them every once in a while.
1: There's too much time travel in Star Trek in general, especially in, um, I think a. Uh, 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 I'm trying to get my example straight. Like, I think there, there's they use it as a crutch, especially in Enterprise. That's kind of where they lost me um, in the, the the show Enterprise. They were doing like so much time travel, and um, like time travel to tell a particular story, I think is always is like has a chance of being fine. But they were trying to do an arc in the show Enterprise with like all this time travel stuff, and it just didn't make sense, and it just felt like kind of lazy and shitty. Um, but the uh, in next gen they uh there's a there's a few good time travel episodes there's um there's some like alternate history episodes where they like shift something happens and then the reality shifts and they they you know have to fix something in the past or something they have um the season finale or sorry the series finale is great time travel captain picard is jumping around to different points in his own life he goes far to the future where he's like an old man and he goes far to the past back to like the first seasons of the show nice. to do stuff it's a really, really it's, a, it's the best Series finale of any series that I've ever liked. Uh, like, it's satisfying. Like, it's what you hope that That's they do like at the that end. and Six
0: Feet Under. Six yeah. Feet Under is, like, noted as one of the best series finales ever. That's great. Um,
1: the that like Sopranos, like- I like. Like, just a gauge where I stand right. on those things. Like, I'm fine with the Sopranos ending. I liked it. But, you know, they're going like, and life has no ending. It's ambiguous. It's like, right. cool. The, the next gen, they put a fine point on it. It all wraps up. And sort of the they, Christmas where they Carol started.
0: of uh, of season four. Totally. Yeah. And which, of course, Patrick Stewart does a one-man version of, mm-hmm. the Christmas Carol. Which I've never seen, have a great shame. Never seen, but I hear it's amazing. Also, one thing I liked about this show, and I remember recently watching some of one of the Star Trek movies, is like they show them in their, I mean, this is going to sound creepy, but like in their bedrooms and stuff, mm-hmm. they show their downtime, like, yeah. like, uh, Dr. Crusher's drinking like wine and Captain Picard's reading a book and drinking something yeah. as well. And he, <laughs> She like comes into his room to discuss one of the time, the time loop. And he offers her like nutmeg, steamed milk, <laughs> steamed <laughs> yeah. milk, with nutmeg in it, which yeah. is a recipe he tries to work on anytime he can't sleep. Yeah. It's like, that's so different from, you know, sci-fi like Star Wars or whatever where it's always like action and stuff yeah. like it's fu- it's funny
1: and it's interesting to just see them sort of in their own world. Like, yeah they little... just live here yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's... and there, there is that sort of soap opera aspect to it too that is definitely true and like yeah I mean there's a soap opera aspect to the show at all like you can talk about their relationships on the show and like who likes who and the history with people and stuff like that and that's definitely a big part of you know just ep- uh, the show and episodic television but yeah exactly it's not all yeah it's not just like cool dudes yeah, kicking ass have, all yeah. the time it's like kind of a calm intelligent adult show um well, <laughs> i have to ask you because in one
0: of the when captain jean-luc picard and dr crutch are talking he sort of does give her a look or so there was one moment that i perceived as somewhat Sexual in nature. Mm-hmm. Did they ever have, was that a running thing or was I just projecting?
1: Yeah, they, um, uh, it, it was like more, there was more of a like mystery about their relationship in the, like the first season. And I think originally the idea was going to be that Captain Picard was responsible for her husband's death when he, when her husband was under his command. And that's established that, that her husband died on the, um, on the Stargazer, well, actually. Um, but uh there was like going to be some confusion about whether like her son Wesley was his child i think and like was he having an affair when she was married and all that but they never really got into that they set they left that behind and then yeah they settled into they have like a yeah a a sort of middle-aged romance right. going that um is that um simmers rather than um, a little companionship than, yeah yeah and uh though i think um I guess the, yeah. The, the, in the future, we find out that they like wed at some point, but they definitely had. It wasn't like a Sam and Diane thing at all. But they have, uh, uh, yeah. They de- they don't really get together at any point. They don't really make an arc of that. But they, yeah. I kind of wanted to see them getting on. Man. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of a bummer. <laughs> um,
0: now, from your uh, your own experience, you already talked about going to a convention. Was there? Did you ever have any? Did your fandom ever come out in any
1: other ways when you were younger? I went. As data for Halloween, when I was in <laughs> uh, uh, fifth grade, and I think I did it again the next year. Um, uh, but yeah, I, my mom made me a cool, a sort of olive-colored uh, 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 ops uniform. Did and you um, um,
0: put any makeup
1: on? Oh, all this, yeah, yeah, the whole wow. thing. No contacts though. No gold
0: contacts. That's that would be pretty intense for a right, fifth grader for a fifth grader did um, you get were, now we're kids that were did you have friends that were into the show too or was this sort of a smart of a solitary thing
1: my friend ryan ryan tibbets who um uh one of the smartest guys i've ever met he went to princeton for music and he's a uh I think he teaches music now. Um, I've checked in. I checked in with him on Facebook. Well, anyway, hi, Ryan. I hope you hear this. Uh, 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 We should check in on Facebook again. I haven't talked to you in too long. Um, But he's, uh, yeah, he and I watched it a lot. We were real into it, probably the most into it. And then um, my. Some of my other like nerdier friends in middle school kind of gave it the time of day, like they were fine with it, and then um, I had more friends uh, uh, in like high school who were like real into Star Wars, so I kind of indulged that uh, they wouldn 't concede to me that Star Trek is superior, mm-hmm. smarter um or that incarnation of it now they're identical and in fact being <laughs> directed by the same guy who's, oh, um, yeah. totally true yes. um uh, who's a very talented guy he's great at sci-fi great at storytelling He just you know he's messing he, he, he uh uh you know he's driving driving a car that i love you know? right um and uh but uh uh but yeah no not not too many my, my friends in middle school for sure while it was on. Walt was on and knew we were super excited about it, but it was hard for me to uh, later on get people excited about uh, a show that was kind of off the air. Though I stuck with it. I stuck with it through Voyager. I'm trying to think who my other Trek friends were. Not too many in high school. It was my like super smart, nerdy middle school friends. Who was were. Scott
0: Bakula in one he of the – He was the captain of Voyager? Yeah,
1: of the, uh, no, on Enterprise. Enterprise. The last one. He's he good. He's good. He's a good actor. But it was just like it had it, the Enterprise had all the bad. Like it was like it was. They were really trying to do like a mainstream hit, so they lost a lot of the fans, including me. Like it, it, you know, this right. didn't start with the the JJ Abrams series, but like yeah, I mean, their title sequence was this like. It was like this song. It's like it's been a long road. Getting from there to here. It was like this terrible theme song. It was like, what? Uh, that like, sounds amazing. Oh, it's uh, the title. It's a Star St- Trek. Trek. <laughs> yeah, It's a Star Trek theme. Ooh, you're watching the show. I'm trying to think of an equivalent like... It's like it was like what, what was the Party of Five theme?
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, yeah.
1: That era, like, it's like, you know, Star Trek. Yeah, like they
0: <laughs> like, it really thoughtful and like family like Seventh Heaven or something. <laughs> yeah,
1: totally. That's what I was thinking. I was trying to Party of Five's wrong. Seven, Seven Th- Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. And that was just unforgivable. That was just like jaw-dropping. There's parts of Voyager that were good. It's just, you know, it didn't refresh itself. It felt like it was um it felt like they were doing they at this. At, those were all on the air at the same time. Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, and I think Voyager. though Voyager may have come out just when it was just Deep Space Nine on the air, but it was kind of the same production team and the same everything. And they're great at it. They started with Next Gen. Deep Space Nine's great. Deep Space Nine feels like it was their like their masterpiece. Like they really got it. They had all the parts moving in the right way to do that show, and then Voyager it just felt like they, the, the the whole the whole enterprise no pun intended was out of ideas uh, right. sometimes, and part of it too was just at that era in my life I was you know. Doing, you know, I got a driver's license at that point, so let's into it. But even on rewatching, like, there's good stuff in Voyager. And there's even good stuff in like Ladder Enterprise, but it just feels like it. It kind of like petered out. Just doesn't have that. Didn't yeah. have that
0: magic. Yeah.
1: Um, now, if you don't mind, and
0: you can stop me if you do mind. But sometimes when I have TV writers on the show or mm. t- people involved in TV, I ask them about that because this is a TV podcast. Sure. Um, now I know you. We briefly talked about this once in person. But you write, you write for the season of Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. And I have to ask about one. There was one episode that you wrote a sketch for, and maybe, if I remember correctly, with Louis C.K. Mm hmm. Would you mind talking
1: about how that experience was? Or the- sure, yeah. Um, well, this is my first season at the show. Uh, uh, this past season was my first season at the show. And, um, yeah, you know, it was an absolutely amazing year for me. And, you know, the people who work there in every department, in every capacity, are the best people in the world at putting on the the only television show that remains of its kind. Um, you know, amazing writers. And, uh, I mean, the machine of it always impresses me from music to costumes to set design. Um, you know, hell, the script. Script department blows my mind. Yeah, I, they
0: do. I got to but, sit in the audience for a show this year. I've sat yeah. in the writers' room, but just seeing literally how they make that show exist within that hour and a half—it's like the most insane yeah. thing. It's crazy.
1: It's unbelievable. And I still—I mean, I, I you know—I I hope I never lose this impulse. But I still, when I can do it without being in anybody's way, just go down to the floor during the show. Sometimes during dress, but like to just like watch the thing happening is. Um, uh, just remains absolutely amazing to me, uh, and 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 taps into the like the the nerdiest side of me that is just incredibly impressed that things can happen at all, much less so well, you know. <laughs> um, but the uh, uh, the the first sketch I got on the air was uh, on the Louis C.K. episode, and it was a very bizarre week because it was the Hurricane Sandy week. That's right. Um, so I was i was living in williamsburg brooklyn at the time and i caught a cab in as sort of s- sandy was hitting as was the wind was picking up it wasn't like terrible there were still cabs on Probably the on a monday
0: right or was that an- yeah. yeah
1: um yes for pitch um so that was monday and then you know uh, uh and then i was planning on camping out at 30 rock um and i brought a change of clothes and a battery-powered radio and that kind of thing and um the people there, were like some of the the the, the production staff, they were like, "No, you're an idiot! Don't camp out here." I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like, "We'll get we'll get you a hotel room." I was like, "Oh, okay." So uh, we stayed at a hotel um, near Rockefeller Center. It was a nice place, um, and uh, it was nice. It was me and a couple of the other writers, and we were put up, and we had dinner there, and the, and uh, you know, we were. It was a surreal experience over the next couple days that I was still in that hotel because we had power. It's not really I mean it was windy and rainy and stuff like that but I was in a bed that was more comfortable than the bed that I have at home in a hotel in like in Manhattan and I lived in Brooklyn at the time and I I had a very surreal experience of watching the local news coverage of every you know all the terrible things that were happening for Sandy in a very sort of strange state of mind like here I am in this hotel you know (laughs) like watching you know Battery Park City get flooded you know and this kind of thing and it was very you know it was um you know there's a million stories uh uh, uh that happened to everybody out there but the um it was very surreal from my point of view but at the same time we were putting on the show so like we were working as hard as we always work which is insanely hard <laughs> you know it's where, like people are there's not much to think about much less uh, uh do anything about when we're doing the show and that's true for everybody who works there um uh, uh so on Tuesday, on writing night, um, I'd had the idea from staying in a hotel the night before, uh, where they were just sort of just like you know nickel and diming you on like weird little charges, and I was sensitive to racking those up because I was even grateful just to the show for getting me the hotel room in the first place so you know i'm not going to r- bill my dinner to the room you know sure. i'm not gonna, all this the little things that happen the you know which bottle the, the two bottles of water in your room the one is free and then the other one the other is one a has char- a little yeah. thing
0: around the right. neck that means that you have to pay for
1: it yeah just crazy so i just had half a pitch and when uh, um when um uh uh you know hosts will come around and meet with all the writers some more than you know some uh more than others or f- feel like being more involved than others and nobody wanted to be more involved than louis from my, like from my perspective he came in he hung out all well, that and i pitched him kind of a you know uh a wishy-washy version of the idea because again it's louis and uh, um and then he just sort of riffed on it and um Turned it into a better idea. Pitched some jokes, and then I got on a run with him, just pitching jokes back and stuff like that. And I was just taking notes and doing it. And then I wrote it. And then it ended up being the first show. I got, the first thing I got on the air, and it was very strange. I was staying at that hotel. It's Louis of all people. The hurricanes happening in the city, and um, and then it just ended up being the the the, the first thing I got on the. Uh, on the show it was uh it was a, a sort of unrepeatable uh a, a bizarre and amazing uh, experience. experience
0: sort man. of like the ultimate new york story you know? in right. a like it has sort of every element of like you're sort of felt bad because you were in a situation you were in a great situation yeah. but there are like these dual sides to it that's pretty phenomenal and yeah. you're working with probably right now the hottest comedic and one of the smartest, oh yeah, the smartest, funniest that guy there. that i 've
1: ever looked in the eye, for sure, I mean, and then just really just even with that thing, like I owe him a, 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 a great debt of debt, gratitude because it was again, it was sort of like I have a decent idea, and then just like he clicks it, and actually he I wrote it the way again, this is sort of amateur hour for me, but I wrote it with him as the, the so the sketch is a guy's checking out of the of a hotel, and um, the hotel clerk is listing all the like charges that are on the receipt at checkout time. And then they become sort of increasingly absurd. Um not in their um um, not in the sense that they're nickel and diming, but they're like they're they're crazy. It's so it's like you know um, one you know continental breakfast yes one uh, uh, bottle of water yes uh, six uh, diamonds I'm sorry six diamonds delivered on a pillow of the finest silk uh, you know and it's like well that's why we checked the charges I didn't get diamonds you know that kind of right. thing um, paraphrasing my own damn sketch but the uh, uh, but originally I thought I wrote it as Bobby as the the character and then Louis is the guy checking out and then Louis wanted to play the other guy it was like well I'd actually rather play the guy behind the desk can we do that i was like course, yeah do whatever you want yeah like yeah. I mean, yes yes no, you're no, the, yeah, no, 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 no 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 i got i'm really particular I'd rather about this my not first get on sketch <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know what i'm doing yeah. <laughs> this is my you know this is mid-october so it was my fifth episode maybe or something like that no 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 i'm going to be precious about this um <laughs> uh but uh yeah, it ended up getting on. And, then, like, that was the the thing with the machine is uh, – the machine of the place was that, like, we re- rewrote some jokes in between dress and air. Like, I asked for uh, 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 going on se- – getting a printer to, like, wrap it up. We wanted to, like, have the, pr- like, the printer take a while to print. Mm-hmm. And then I thought it would, like, jam it. So, no big deal. It's just a little extra joke at the end. But our amazing props department is I go, like, can we get a – um, like a printer, and and their their answer is sort of like, oh, a printer in 45 minutes? Why are you asking this? Their answer is, what kind of printer? I go, like an old dot matrix? Yeah. <laughs> like, we'll get it. Like, yeah, no problem. We'll get that here in 10 minutes. It's like, hey, you, know, you want a toe? I'll get your tow. <laughs> you know? um, and toe. Uh, but the funny the, the story I always, I always tell about this is, um, so I'm, you know, you know i'm nervous but it's just it's the nice sort of nervous because i'm just i have stuff to do you know it's like i'm not just sitting there biting my nails i have to work on the first thing that i've ever gotten on air so i'm you know talking to the props department talking to all the departments betwe- that i have to talk to between dress and air taking the notes that that we get um uh uh and 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 um and then just watching it again and fixing the jokes or rewriting the jokes that didn't go so well and this and that and um i had a uh, uh Initially wanted that dot matrix printer, but then it was like, oh, are we going to do special effects, have the actual paper come out and all that? So I was like, you know what? A sound effect would work just as well. So I went to, again, our amazing sound effects department. I was like, can we – I approved – I listened to the sound and listened to the timing of it. Just eek, 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 uh, uh, the dot matrix printer and then um, uh, told told them to cut the, the, the actual printer. We didn't need the actual printer on there. So – i 'm um, trying to remember the timing of this, so I needed to tell Louie and Bobby that the printer was just going to be a sound effect. Right. No, I had told them that they knew that the printer was going to be a sound effect, but I realized that i hadn 't given them an eye line to agree where the printer would be so this was this may have been me overthinking it i don 't think it was, but it was like I realized when they 're sort of getting set up that it might be nice to just make sure that they 've agreed where the printer just in case they make references to it or whatever he if louis going down there but you know just I just and again that may have been me being a sort of a paranoiac so on the um on the uh on the set they're getting set up and i just hop up and i normally would have been behind the cameras watching it on a monitor or something like that i hopped up on the set and i said to louis and bobby i was like okay so there's going to be a print the printer sound effect and it's that and uh 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 and we'll just say the printer's right here behind the desk. And then Louie looks and goes there is a printer back there. And I look and props had put the dot matrix printer back there. So, so so I was like, oh, okay, there's a printer there. I was like, oh, well, then that's where it is, you know. And that was it. And then they're waving me off, you know, it's like we're at the commercial break before the sketches. You know, I can't be up there. And when um, I left, well, as it turns out, I had no not. There's no way for me to have knowledge of this, but I had no knowledge of this. That went out as the the teaser uh, uh, on the show. I of remember me that. going <laughs> up, and then me and Louis having like a what? There's why is there a printer? Oh, oh, hey, there's a printer there. Love it. <laughs> I
0: remember that because I was watching the show live. I think, yeah. and I remember it was. It's like the little what they call in the industry a pod buster, so right. you don't fast forward all the way through the thing. Where they right. and in SNL, they smartly put like the behind the scenes, and you're on. There And I was like, oh, my God, this <laughs> Neil, and that means that he obviously wrote this next sketch. I'm going to pay extra attention.
1: Yeah, and I got the hell out of there. But it was such a bizarre thing. And then Lauren was standing right there and uh, the, uh, before the sketch started and all that. And, yeah, it was just incredible. I'll never be able to repeat. Like, no matter what the first thing I ever got on air would have been, that would be an irrepeatable. Like, there would be no way to repeat that experience. But that particular sort of... Um, uh, configuration of circumstances is remains so bizarre. I will take that with me to the end of my days.
0: <laughs> well, it's pretty amazing, and this is the end of your days because okay. try the evasive n- maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> All hands on deck! Oh, number three. Um, well, I, I thank you so much for coming. Uh, introduce it, reintroducing me to next generation talking about snl and your first uh sketch experience there and just all around being a good guy is there anything that you want to plug or uh anything coming up or you can watch kelsey Grammer in reruns of
1: fraser uh from the 90s
0: also i believe if you have showtime he's on the
1: boss mm-hmm. the boss yeah and uh, i'm doing my show with will hines called small men uh, throughout the summer at the ucb theater it is a two-man sketch show um We recently did it in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll be doing it a couple uh, more times in New York before we bury it. Um, Awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much it.
0: And I'd also say as a fan of your Twitter that if anybody doesn't follow Neil Casey's (laughs) Twitter – you should. Find, it's not at not Neil Casey. It's at not Neil Casey. And uh, just look at it, and you'll realize why it's yeah. By it's kind far, of an art
1: project. It's complete. <laughs> it's the best Twitter
0: uh, Twitter uh, account going right now mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, so thanks so much, Neil. I really
1: appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Have a great night. Night. Night, night, baby. I hear the blues are calling. Hot salads and scrambled eggs. That's how. <laughs> Mercy. <laughs> Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Captain Jean Luc Picard of the U.S.S. Enterprise. Captain Jean Luc
0: Picard of the U.S.S. Make it so. Make it so. I'd like to thank my guest Neil Casey for stopping by, watching some ch- Star Trek with me. I love time loops. Star Trek is very enjoyable. And Neil is very informative, uh, which was very enjoyable. And and that story about uh, SNL with Louis C.K. and Hurricane Sandy was great. So uh, if you're a fan of the podcast, follow me on Twitter at Craig Rowan. Facebook, it's that episode. Leave a comment on iTunes or just drop a, a blank envelope. Uh, with no address or return address, but with an old stamp that's no longer the right amount of money, 46 cents, do it lower, and and just inside write a comment about it's that episode, and I think it'll get to the right person who needs to see that. Alright, thanks so much for listening, we'll see you next time, have a great night, and an early mañana. Adios. Amigos. Incredibly unbroken sentence.